The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado. Made for more. Learn more at Chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. Welcome back to a surprise emergency podcast episode, episode 121 of the On The Banks podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman, coming to you on Christmas Eve Eve, unexpectedly, Thursday morning, with the unexpected news that Rutgers is on the precipice of accepting a surprise bowl bid to the Gator Bowl scheduled to be played on New Year's Eve in Jacksonville, Florida, due to Texas A&M, who was originally scheduled to play Wake Forest, dropping out on Wednesday due to positive COVID uh, results in their program. And Rutgers being uh, what we've learned in the last, say, 12 to 16 hours, uh, is at 5-7. and seven. They have the highest APR score of any remaining 5-7 and seven teams, which puts them at the top of the list. And qualifies them essentially for the candidate that the Gator Bowl is looking for to replace Texas A&M with. It's sparked all kinds of discussion. We've had a couple articles on the site. No one better to bring in for our fourth or fifth emergency podcast over the years, former host and good friend of On the Banks and myself, Lance Glenn. Lance, thanks for being here. Well, yeah, Aaron, thanks thanks so much for having me. What a, uh, what a 24 hours it's been. Uh, for Rutgers fans, you know, we start Wednesday morning with not even thinking twice about bowl games, unless you're kind of watching it as an unbiased fan. Uh, we hear that Texas A&M drops out because of COVID. Okay. But again, we still don't know what the APR scores are. We don't know where Rutgers sits in that. Obviously we know that, uh, or we think that they're relatively high, but you don't know that they're in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever it might be, you know, if they would even possibly be a candidate to replace the Aggies. And then really out of nowhere, we see a, a Brett McMurphy tweet. Uh, I think it was either Wednesday morning or Wednesday, very early afternoon saying that Rutgers was offered the bid to play in the Gator Bowl and that they declined. So then obviously that sparks a lot of discussion and, you know, fans are going back and forth whether there's the right thing to do. At the time, I thought it was the right thing to do to decline, uh, but then you don't really hear much of it. You only hear from McMurphy. You don't hear from anyone from, you know, Andy Advanced Media or Pete Thamel or, or anyone else saying that they declined. It was only McMurphy. Then later in the day, you see a tweet from Pete Thamel that they haven't necessarily declined. They haven't said yes, but that they haven't declined. So that obviously negates what McMurphy said and really gets the juices flowing. And then once that tweet from Thamel happens, you see more and more coming out that it's a legit possibility that they could play in the Gator Bowl. And that really sparks discussion. There was a Twitter spaces set up by Danny Breslauer and John Newman last night that obviously everyone gave their opinion on. I gave my opinion on. And it just from there really kind of snowballed into, oh, my God, Rutgers is going to play in the Gator Bowl. You started seeing more from whether it was James Cratch, Keith Sargent, Duplity, whoever it was come out with, with reports that this, this is going to happen. So what a crazy 24 hours it's been for Rutgers fans. We wake up now on Thursday morning with Rutgers, you know, it, I think the NCAA oversight committee just needs to approve it. But to me, that seems like basically just a formality at this point. We wake up on Thursday morning with Rutgers playing in the lead up game to the college football playoff. You're going to go from Rutgers, Wake Forest to Cincinnati, Alabama, 
to think at the beginning of the season that Rutgers would be playing in the Gator Bowl, I, I didn't think it was possible. It was a crazy way to get there. But hey, Rutgers is playing on New Year's Eve or most likely will be playing on New Year's Eve against Wake Forest. And, and it, it's, it's happening. And it's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. I think you captured things really well in how uh, this has transpired. And I just honestly, you know, I, I, um, I have to tell it how, how I feel. And I, I just think logistically, this is insane. I think uh, to pull this off in an now we're eight days out from the game. Finals are over. The team's dispersed. I was looking at the roster before we, we spoke, and um, there's roughly, there's close to 60 players on the roster that are out of state. Now, most of them are in the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New York, some Maryland, uh, which isn't, you know, too far away. But just to be able to logistically pull this off with all that the personnel needed, the equipment, the um, travel, talk about all the people that have to come in and cook for the team, housing, um, all these people that are on break for the holiday, Christmas is two days away. Then on top of all that, the team's not prepared in the slightest. No, of course, not their fault. They last played on November 27th, 25 days away. Uh, they haven't practiced since then. And sure, yeah, they, they, I'm sure most of them are still working out, um, you know, in the weight room. But uh, the football shape is not the type of shape where, you know, you can just go out and and run around and, and be ready. They're going to go against a, a good Wake Forest team. And honestly, Lance, my opinion is I think some Rutgers fans are looking at, they hear the name Wake Forest and they don't think it's, oh, they think it's a winnable game. And I, I just honestly, I hate to be negative, but... I think there's zero chance Rutgers not only wins, but is even competitive in this game. Wake Forest has been practicing the whole time. They've been preparing for Texas A&M. You know, they've had several blowout wins this year. They're a high-scoring team. They've gone over 40 points, I think, five times. Um, they've been over 30 every other time. It's just, it's a bad matchup on paper if they were playing in October. It's a far worse matchup in December. We don't know who's available. Rutgers had players declare for the NFL draft. They have close to a dozen players already announced in the transfer portal. Some have even announced other destinations. Cole Snyder's already uh, part of the Buffalo program. You have Rob Smith, the defensive coordinator, is out. Other coaching moves, I believe, are going to happen as well. And then we're talking about all of this in one. Then you throw in the fact that COVID is sur surging in the tri-state area uh, in greater numbers than it ever has before. Granted, it's a better situation than a year ago with so many people vaccinated. So, you know, in terms of serious implications, sure, it's not as serious as it was, but the raw numbers of this thing are dangerous from a hospital perspective of a spreading perspective. You know, you have had Rutgers men's basketball shut down for the last almost two weeks due to COVID outbreak. Um, many college basketball games have been canceled. And now we're going to talk about bringing a team together. You know, we don't even know who, who's going to be able to play. I mean, you have your, the, the running back situation. I mean, Pacheco is gone. You know, we don't know how the oversight committee is going to handle players that already declared and potentially signed with agents. You have players that have had um, off-season surgeries already. You've had exit interviews. But on top of all of those logistics, then you throw in COVID. And what is the reality? What is the chance that this team is able to secure COVID protocols for the next eight days? And then you're going to Florida. And, and, and to be able to do all that travel, it just, it just seems impossible. You know, and and listen, I'm I could be completely wrong. Maybe they they pull it off, but I think the best case scenario in all of this 
is that Rutgers is on national television, is on the Gator Bowl. Sure, it's a cute story right now, but when they lose by seven touchdowns on national television, you know, all the, the, the national football fans that turn on the fourth quarter before Alabama, there was a, oh, same old Rutgers, you know, they, they don't deserve to be there. They were just, you know, they were the lucky guy on the street corner. And I don't think personally, it does a lot for the brand in, in, in the situation and scenario that they'd be going there. Yeah, no, I completely get your point. And, and I will say my initial reaction when this news was first breaking about the possibility of them playing in this game, I was very much agreeing with the original McMurphy tweet that they declined. I said, I thought that was the right thing to do. How could you get a team ready in eight days? You know, like you said, with COVID surging, for all we know, and this is still a very real possibility, these kids that aren't on campus, and I'm sure there's, there are some that still are, but I'm sure there are a lot that aren't. Kids that are not on campus coming back, for all we know, everyone can get tested. 15 kids could pop up positive. Well, then Rutgers isn't playing in the game they already have a depleted roster anyway. And, and if, you know, 25% of that roster ends up testing positive or 20% of that roster tests positive, they're not going to play in the game. And that'll be that. But I do understand from a standpoint of if that's the case and Rutgers decides to go through with this and they don't play because of COVID, then so be it. All right. They don't play because of COVID. I understand why they want to do it. A couple of people yesterday on the Twitter spaces did mention that, look, Greg Schiano wouldn't have agreed if, if it's true that he has agreed to this game and he has agreed to have Rutgers play, which is looking likely. He wouldn't have agreed to play if he didn't think this team would be ready to play. Now, that obviously means football shape. That obviously means being prepared for Wake Forest. That obviously means just having a roster that's big enough to play. And like you said, there are certain positions where you don't even know what's going on. Kyle Manungai has had offseason surgery. The likelihood, unless it was very minor surgery, is that he's not going to play in this game regardless of whether it happens or not. Isaiah Pacheco... I'm not sure if he signed with an agent. He might have. The fact is he declared for the draft. So if he signed with an agent, I think he would have to get a waiver from the NCAA. Like you said, we don't know if the NCAA would grant those waivers. You would think because of these crazy circumstances that they would. But again, we never know with the NCAA. The one thing about the NCAA is that they're consistently inconsistent with what they rule. And so you're really then just looking at Aaron Young as the only scholarship running back. I guess you have a Jameer Wright Collins, but you know, it's, you don't have your normal repertoire of weapons going into this game. Of course, you also have seniors, Fadakazi, Drew Singleton, Julius Turner, Mike Tverdov, Bo Melton, the list goes on and on. Would they be able to play? Would they want to play? Especially a guy like Bo Melton, who I think is going to the senior bowl. Would he want to play in this game? Would he be able to play in this game if he already signed with an agent? You know, who knows? There's so many factors, but I do understand why they would want to play. I get it. The possibility of getting blown out by Wake Forest, a high scoring team, a team that obviously has been practicing since their season ended is is very real. But for Rutgers, I look at it as, okay, if you get blown out, you always have the excuse of we only had seven days to prepare. And I think that's a very valid excuse. And I think a lot of media pundits, I guess we should say, would say that, look, you know, Rutgers got blown out, sure, but they only had a week and, and they were kind of thrown into the fire, you know, in the last minute if the game ends up being closed or God forbid they win, then it's like, Oh my God, like the Rutgers pulled off the impossible. What a Cinderella story. So I kind of get why they would want to play and why they have likely agreed to do this. But at the same time, look, I still am hesitant. Obviously the risk of injury is very, is very real. This is a team that hasn't practiced in a month, basically, you know, a little less than a month. The last thing this program needs is for someone to go down in this game and whether it's a small injury or, or, a uh, more severe injury. You don't want anything to possibly impact Boston College in week one next year. And obviously that would take a, a catastrophic injury to do that. 
But but that possibility, anytime you step on a football field, is there. And especially this really being a meaningless game, you'd hate for it to happen in a game that you really don't need to play. But I, I do more and more as time has gone on over this last 24 hours, understand why they would want to play. I kind of agree with it to a point, but also the cons are definitely there. And at least for me, I kind of side more with being cautious and going with the cons than playing in this game and and just, you know, kind of playing with house money. I agree with you. And I think, why are there 41 bowl games? And why did two thirds of all of FBS teams play in the postseason, which doesn't occur in any other sport? It's because of money. And that's what is, in my opinion, the driving force of all this. And the Big Ten, you know, look, this is huge for the Big Ten. They pick up an extra Big Ten bowl team. Uh, that's more money into the pot for all the schools. They split it evenly amongst the 14 members. The Gator Bowl payout is, I believe, right over $5 million, $5.3 million or something. So Rutgers would get half of that put into the pot for the Big Ten. So, uh, of course, they wanted to do it. And I'm sure that there was pressure or a clear message that, you know, they want Rutgers to do this. I, I Going back to your point about, you know, Shiana wouldn't agree to this unless he thought the team would be ready. I, I actually, I, I disagree with that idea because I think that, I mean, this is a compliment, you know, football coaches are the ultimate competitors and they're never going to back down to a challenge. And in their minds, I'm sure they're rationalizing that this is going to be doable and they're going to be able to pull everybody together and pull this off. And football coaches love competition and they love challenges. And there's no way that someone like Greg Shiano is going to turn this down on the face of it. And like you said, you know, you put this in a box. Sure. It's an exciting prospect. It's a great opportunity. But when you look at the big picture and the reality of the situation, I I hate to say it, but they're doomed to fail. There is zero chance that they're going to win. I'd say there's less than 10% chance they're even going to be competitive. And it's just, you know, Rutgers fans are all pumped up about this. But in the first quarter, when it's 17-0 with four four minutes to go in the first quarter, is anybody really going to be happy? And I think it's just... For me, one thing I look at is the mental state. You know, once you you know this in your own life, when you kind of move on and know, like, you know, when you leave a job, when you leave school for the year, you know, whatever it may be, there's a mental part of you that that shuts off. And it's extremely hard to go back and turn that switch back on and be able to be in the same mental mind state that you need to be to be able to do whatever you're doing and to be a football player and to be in season, you're in a certain mindset for a very long time. And what Rutgers went through this past season, I mean, we've seen it every year in the big 10, but specifically this year, we also saw, you know, they, they, I don't want to say run out of gas, but the toll of the season certainly wears on them. And we saw the last two games, how non-competitive they were. And to think that, you know, in this situation, not being prepared um, from a game plan perspective, from a physical standpoint, great uh, point that you made about injuries. Nothing could be worse if, if they have players that are impacted next for next season because they get injured in this game. And just because they've been working out doesn't mean they're in football shape. And I think that, you know, the mental side of it, the physical side of it, the preparation side of it, all of it is, you know, (laughs) nowhere near where they need to be to really be safely on that football field in terms of being able to compete at their best. And I think you just, unfortunately, you know, the players are, they're, they're, they're kind of the pawns in this and they're put in an impossible situation. And, and I, I tweeted this yesterday, but there's never a better example, in my opinion, of players should be paid to play because this is a game that they're being forced uh, essentially. And yeah, I get it. You know, they're competitors too. They probably all want to play, but 
looking at it from a rational, logical standpoint, it's really an unfair situation for everybody. And I, I, I just uh, hope, like I said, I think the best case scenario is they get through COVID protocols, they get to the game, they lose big, no one gets hurt, and we move on to 2022. I think that's the best case scenario. And, you know, do I think that there's a chance they won't even get to next Friday? Um, I think there's a good chance that they won't. Um, just in terms of the way COVID is right now and all the protocols um, and everything they're going to have to go through. But, you know, may, listen, maybe Rutgers even is thinking that and it's just, you know, this is what they have to do to be a good team player for the Big Ten. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, I'm sure are going on behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, I hate to uh, be uh, be a downer, but I just uh, I, I'm not too uh, pleased with this idea and I think, um, you know, I, I, as a defensive old school Rutgers fan, worry about them getting dragged through the mud and somehow this blowing up in their face and um, only hurting perception and the name brand versus helping. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. My one counter to, I guess, your initial point about Shiano wanting to play this game being a competitor, my guess is Shiano talked to the team about this, whether it was, you know, a massive Zoom or whether it was a mass text or whether it was, you know, a meeting per se, depending on who was on campus, who wasn't. I'm sure he obviously consulted the players prior to making this decision. It wouldn't be right on him to make this decision unilaterally for everyone, you know, without obviously consulting with those who are actually obviously going to be in the game. Again, my biggest thing has always just been in terms of not playing the injury aspect of it, you know, God forbid someone goes down with an Aaron Cruikshank like injury, you know, which again is unlikely, but anytime you step on a football field is a very realistic possibility. If anyone were to go down with that kind of injury, possibly impacting their effectiveness or ability to play in that Boston college game come next season, then you're going to look back at this game and say, Hmm, was it really worth it? So that's why I would just take the more cautious approach and not play it. But like you said, with COVID surging, there's a very good chance, frankly, that this game probably won't be played anyway. And Rutgers, like I said before, is going to come together. They're going to take COVID tests. A portion of them are going to come a positive. And if that's the case, then they're just not going to play. So it could just be Rutgers, you know, like you said, being a good sport, being a team player, kind of realizing that the likelihood of this game being played is small anyway, but still, you know, agreeing to do it so that it doesn't come off like they're shying away from it kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But Again, you know, I, I, I get it from both sides. I still remain somewhat hesitant to doing it, but I do understand the people that want to. And look, you know, we have now eight days until possibly this game being played. So we'll see over the next eight days, one, whether Rutgers is able to even get to Florida and play it, two, how ready they're going to be, and, and three, when it comes time for December 31st, if the final score or if the way the game is played even indicates that they should have been doing it from the get-go. So look, there's a lot, obviously a lot of differing opinions on it, but you know, the fact of the matter is they're, they're playing in a new year's Eve bowl, at least as of right now. And Rutgers, I would assume as of midnight tonight will be the opponent for Wake Forest in the Gator bowl. In terms of the NCAA oversight committee meeting to discuss health and safety concerns, if it is a legitimate conversation and you're going to tell me, which that, I doubt that, it is, which I doubt it is. Well, that, well, that's the whole, the, the whole thing is a sham, right? Because if, if they actually prove and say, yes, eight days notice, haven't played or practiced in a month, COVID's going on. No problem. Let's green stamp it. We all know. Then <laughs> our, 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 you know, everything we're saying, our confirmation is there. This is all about money. Yeah, it's of course. always NCAA. And, you know, it's just honestly, it, to, 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 I'm not blaming Rutgers for being in this situation, but it's to me, it's a little unsettling to see them kind of 
as a uh, a chess piece on the board. Um, you know, we always wanted. Listen, I guess when you want to be part of Big Ten college football and you want to be part of a conference like the Big Ten, you are selling your soul to a degree, and that's what is happening here. And it's on full display in this scenario. And and, and, and maybe we're trying to make excuses as to why it's not about the money when in reality it very much is all about the money. I mean, if, if there was no money involved in bowl games, like you said, there wouldn't be 41 bowl games. There would be a playoff and that would probably be it. Maybe you'd still have the New Year's Six Bowls just as like a tradition, so to speak. But because there's money in bowl games, that's why the Gator Bowl is a thing or is still a thing. That's why, you know, the uh, that's why Tax Slayer is sponsoring the Gator Bowl, you know, because it's all about the money. If it wasn't about the money, Rutgers wouldn't be playing in this game. I, I know that for sure. Or if money wasn't a factor, Rutgers wouldn't be playing in this game. That's a that's 100 percent true. But money is is, you know, what drives uh, schools, what drives conferences, what drives uh, these bowl games and these sponsors. So, yeah, if, you know, I think we're trying to make excuses as to why money isn't a uh, isn't a factor in it. But let's be real. You know, money is not only a factor. Money is the biggest factor in all of this. And and, and frankly, forever will be. Well, I would be I would feel a little bit better about it if Tax Slayer came out and said they're going to pay all the players a certain amount to play in this game because obviously they want this game to happen. The ACC wants this game to happen. Wake Forest wants this game to happen. The Big Ten wants it to happen. Rutgers is 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 the piece that is going to enable it or allow it to happen. So, hey, pay, pay the players. Pay the players to have to do this. You're putting them in an impossible situation. They should all be paid for their services for this. I I, re- I really believe that because the whole idea of okay, they're under scholarship. You know, they're, they're basically contracted to have to play in this game. I, I I love your optimism. I'm not saying Shiano didn't reach out to players, but I think at the end of the day, again, I think there are much more pawns in this situation than having an active voice in it. And um, I, I I don't believe that all of them will be really excited to play this game. I think, you know, their competitive nature, yes. But um, the reasonable, logical side, it, it's hard to argue that this makes sense. But, you know, listen, we're, we're, we're pretty close for it to be officially announced later today, um, like you said. And I think um, it obviously... Um, is looking like it's at least going to be scheduled. Will it actually take place? You know, with the reality of COVID nowadays, you can't even predict what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone, um, you know, next week. Next Friday is like another year away, basically, um, in the way news and developments happen. But, you know, I'll end it by just saying, you know, my thoughts go out to all the support staff you know, I'm in the food service. So all those people that are gonna have to come in now on Christmas that weren't expecting to that have to, you know, make meals for everybody, um, you know, security, uh, the the equipment managers, all those support staff that do work so hard all year that don't get uh, mentioned or thought about, you know, it's, there's, there's a hundred guys on a football team. Uh, there's a staff, a personnel staff of, you know, like 40. Um, then all the support staff around that. I mean, you're talking about a lot of people that are affected by this that aren't necessarily going to benefit from it. So, you know, my heart goes out to them and, and wishes them well. And, and obviously all of our listeners, you know, uh, I, I listen, I, I hope I'm completely wrong. And, you know, Lance, I will come on here. And if Rutgers somehow is competitive, not even win the game, but is competitive and represents well and gets all this positive, um, you know, uh, coverage from it, then I will certainly stand up and say I was completely wrong. But I just, um, you know, th- this situation, unfortunately, I, I am not too excited about. But um, I, uh, I, 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 like you said, you know, it makes sense to a degree, but uh, I think it's uh, maybe it's the parent in me now, but I can't let that outweigh um, the overall concerns of, of where this is headed. 
Yeah, no, again, completely understand your point. And I guess, look, eight days, we'll find out on December 31st at 11 a.m. if Rutgers is in the game. And for the Gator Bowl's sake, I, I, they better hope that Rutgers ends up in the game because at this point, eight days away, I don't foresee them getting a team ready when it comes to seven days away or six days away or five days away. So for the Gator Bowl's sake, if they want to play and for Wake Forest's sake, I know they're going for, I think, a school record, either 10th or 11th win this year. They better hope Rutgers can play this game. or Otherwise, I, I doubt this game is going to happen. At last point, time is a flat circle. For those that remember, 2006, when Rutgers was uh, beating West Virginia, if they had won that game that they lost in triple overtime, and there were several controversial plays and, and, and near misses, if Rutgers won that game, they would have won the Big East, they would have gone to the Orange Bowl, and they would have played Wake Forest. So that was Wake Forest's best team. This is now their best team. It's kind of funny and poetic and ironic that they're now playing Wake Forest potentially in the Gator Bowl. New Year's Eve Bowl, but that's that's how I guess <laughs> things work in the university's days. Lance, thanks so much for coming back to talk to me. Couldn't think of anyone better to have on to discuss this. And uh, just want to wish a Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate. Happy holidays. Um, we'll be back next week, uh, I guess now, to prep for the game and do a preview. Uh, we're also we we're planning to do an um, end-of-year review. So we'll see what happens. But we'll be back in some shape and form next week before the new year. And hope everyone has a safe and happy holiday with their families here at On the Banks.